Welcome to the Happy, Healthy, Strong podcast. Our goal is to equip you with the knowledge and tools you need to make lasting changes in your health. Society has trained us to think that Western medicine is the answer to long-term health, but this approach only treats symptoms and never addresses the root cause. Without a new approach, our community will experience unnecessary sickness and suffering. We teach the functional health model to educate and empower listeners on their journey to a happier, healthier, and stronger life. My name is Paige, and I'm a certified holistic health coach. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Alex Arguello, doctor of chiropractic and functional health practitioner. Join us as we unpack some of the most pressing health challenges facing our community today. Welcome back to the Happy Healthy Strong podcast. We're continuing our series on adrenals. And last week we talked about kind of what the adrenals are and just kind of demystifying even the word and the function. And so this week we're going to go into more detail, not we, Dr. Alex, because I don't (laughs) know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Dr. Alex is going to go into more detail about um, what can go wrong with the adrenals. So I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, so with the last week or last kind of series that we, we hit on with the thyroid, the second part of the series was going through the, the most common problems that I see with thyroid. And there were a number of different problems, right? I think we went through three of them. Um, this time it's really only one problem that I see um, with the adrenals. And it's something called HPA axis dysfunction. Now we've we've tried to um, teach on these axis um, and what the H and the P and the A and all that are. But this is basically how the brain communicates with the adrenal gland to tell it to produce um, adrenal hormones. When there's dysfunction with that communication, that's the, the major problem that happens from a functional health perspective of people that have adrenal health issues. Um, HPA axis dysfunction used to be referred to uh, adrenal fatigue, which is what most people are probably familiar with when you talk about adrenals. They, they've heard somebody probably mention that they've had adrenal fatigue or maybe they've thought that they've had adrenal fatigue. And it's honestly still used by some people in the functional health space. Um, I don't know if that's just to um, simplify things for people or if it's just that they haven't actually looked at the, the most recent research. But why it's unhelpful to talk about adrenal fatigue Um, is because your adrenals don't actually fatigue. Your adrenals don't get wore out. You know, they don't stop to, they don't stop their function or producing hormones because they, you've, you've done so much to, to tire them out. They're only doing what the brain is, is telling them to do. So the, when we say adrenal health or even, you know, evaluating adrenal hormones, we're not actually concerned about what's happening with the adrenal gland itself we're concerned with really what's happening with the brain. If the brain is not able to communicate with the adrenal glands properly, then that's when this dysfunction is is actually going to happen. Now, there are a couple of adrenal um, gland issues themselves. So there's when you produce, when you over um, produce um, cortisol primarily, that's something called Cushing's disease. And when you underproduce cortisol, it's called Addison's disease. Now, these are more than likely autoimmune issues where uh, we've talked a lot about autoimmunity on, on the podcast. It's basically your immune systems go and attack adrenal cells. And when they're attacked, then you start to not be able to produce cortisol or you start to produce too much of it. Those are 
you know, diseases that we're not necessarily talking about. Um, that's not really not what I see. Okay. Coming. Those aren't very like common. Yeah. They're pretty rare. And most, these people are probably never going to get to a functional health practitioner. They're going to be, you know, seeing them endocrinologist mm. pretty, pretty quickly because it's going to show up pretty quickly with them. Got it. So that's not what we're referring to. What we're talking about more is when your body is exposed to stressful environments, our brain starts to try to figure out how to adapt to these environments. So put yourself in a stressful environment. The brain's going to recognize that stress and then say, okay, what do I need to do with stress hormones to make sure that the body's put in a place where it can survive? Um, this stressful environment until it can get out of the stressful environment. Then I can stop producing these stress hormones so that we can, cause we're not in that stressful environment anymore. We can get back more to, to homeostasis. So the, the biggest stress hormone that we mentioned last week was, was cortisol. There's some other ones, right? Adrenaline and noradrenaline, those type of things. But primarily the issue that people have is with cortisol. They're either producing too much of it. They're not producing enough of it. Those are kind of the, the common things that, that happen. So that's the, the biggest issue that I, that I really see is this HPA axis dysfunction when it comes to adrenal health. So it's not an adrenal issue. It's an issue with the brain communication. Yeah. So what, I guess we're going to talk about this, but like what causes that? Like what attacks it to cause the dysfunction? Yeah. So anytime, so the body is amazing at, again, what I just mentioned, recognizing stress and doing what it has to do from a physiology from a physiology perspective to put itself in the, in the right environment internally so that it can fight back or, or or run away to survive right that's what it's the body's always trying to do is to survive but if you chronically put the body in that stressful environment it was better suited to uh, respond to acute stressors as opposed to chronic stressors so i mean this is the, always the analogy that we use, but right? If a bear is coming at you, you you are going to run away from that bear, you, or if it's too fast for you, you're going to have to fight back that bear. And there's just things that need to happen in your body to have the energy to do that, right? To have the means to be able to to survive in that particular environment. Well, if you think about, if you're always being chased by a bear, eventually the body's going to going to have to shut down because, and we've mentioned some of this before, like there's things that are important functions of the body, but they're not important in a stressful environment, right? So reproduction, we've talked about last week where if you're in a stressful environment, the body's not thinking about reproducing, right? Digestion's one of those. If you're in a stressful environment, you don't need to digest your food, right? Cellular immunity, meaning things that fight off um, kind of the acute response to bacteria, viruses, any sort of pathogens. Your body really doesn't need to do that if it's running away from a bear. That's not concerned about the bacteria, right? It's concerned about the bear. S but those things are important, right? We have to be able to um, fight off um, bacteria and viruses, right? We want to be able to reproduce. We, we, we want to be able to digest the food that we just ate. But if we're always in these stressful environments, then we're not going to be able to do that long term. And that's kind of how the body adapts to those things. Mm -hmm. And stressful environment, I think we touched on this in the thyroid series, but that can mean physical stressors like you're working out all the time and you never uh -huh. give your body a break or something yeah. or emotional stressors yeah. or chemical all of them right yeah. so so that's why it gets complicated because you know we use the analogy of running away from a bear but that's just one type of stress right that's the, that's your perceived stress of oh man maybe this bear actually isn't going to kill you but that's what you're perceiving it to happen but then <laughs> you are being chased by a bear so more than likely <laughs> yes you're, you're going to get killed this is what's a physical stressor but 
there's, you know, all the relational stuff, the job stuff at work, you know, the, maybe you've lost a loved one. That's all emotional, relational stress. And then, yes, we're putting chemicals in and on our body all the time. So that's a stressor. Or like inflammation inside the body where yeah. like, and I think we mentioned last time, you don't even feel stressed. You're, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm feeling stressed out right now, but your body is right. screaming from the inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. So any sort of chemical, emotional, um, physical stress, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. All kind of stresses this HPA access okay. and throws that communication off. Got it. Yeah. So there's really three different levels. It's all the same problem, but um, there's le different levels of it. And it's, it's a, a progression. So if you are always in stressful environments, you're going to start at this one, kind of level one or even back to the adrenal fatigue thing. They had different phases of adrenal fatigue. So phase one, phase two, phase three. That's, that is kind of pulling from that model. That is something that's still helpful of these different models. Um, so the more stressful environments you're in or the longer time that you're in, even just one stressful environment, you're going to progress through these, these different phases. So I figured we'd just talk about um, these different phases and, and kind of go back and forth here. If you have any sort of questions or comments that you can throw in there. The first level is really where your body, again, has recognized the stress in that you're kind of in this stressful environment longer term. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be prepared by producing cortisol, right? Because cortisol is this main stress hormone. It's what allows us to get sugar into our blood so that that sugar can get to our muscles and be able to run away and fight back. It's anti-inflammatory. So if there's any sort of inf inflammation that needs to be taken care of in these stressful environments, it does that. has a, a number of different um, functions there. Just think kind of if you need energy, cortisol is one of the primary things the body used to produce energy in stressful environments. So since you're in these stressful environments, the first thing the body does is raises cortisol levels. Now, something that we should mention is um, we've talked about when we were just going through the, the different lifestyle, um, parts of your lifestyle, sleep was something that was important. And sleep, we, we have what's called a sleep-wake cycle or, or circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm, cortisol, goes off of this circadian rhythm, meaning there's times when we should be awake and there's times when we should be asleep. When we're awake, we need higher levels of cortisol for energy purposes. And then slowly over time, as we're getting closer to that sleep time, cortisol is going to go down. But if you're in this first phase, this first level of uh, HP axis dysfunction, your body's going to overproduce cortisol so that even in the times, which is good in the morning when you need it, but over time, it's going to always be high. Um, and when you have high cortisol, you're going to start to experience some of the symptoms that are there. So when you're in this, um, you may experience uh, weight gain. Um, we talked about, we mentioned that in our last show, right? When you're getting chased by that bear, you still need um, be able to fight back or run away. So more than likely, your body's not going to store energy, which is how we gain weight on our muscles and our arms and our legs. It's going to store weight around the midsection where everybody hates to gain weight, but mm -hmm. that's um, what the body's doing and um, something intelligent that the body's doing. Um, you may... Um, your immune system could be suppressed. You, so if your immune system suppressed, you get sick frequently. Uh, you may have trouble falling asleep because cortisol and melatonin have this inverse relationship. Basically, when cortisol is high, melatonin should be low. When melatonin is high, cortisol should be low. Um, if you have high cortisol levels all the time, it's going to throw that inverse relationship off. Can melatonin and cortisol both be high? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can be, and, and more than likely it is in this particular situation because the body's still just trying to adapt. Um, it's in that first level of it, so it probably hasn't negatively affected melatonin yet, um, but eventually eventually it will. Because one of the things we've, again, mentioned in other shows is that it's not like you just have a, a, an adrenal hormone issue. If you have adrenal hormone issue, more than likely it's going to result in some sort of a thyroid hormone issue. Um, a, a str- or a sex hormone issue, even um, the hormones that control your metabolism, like like insulin, it's going to start to negatively affect those things. Melatonin is um, kind of a um, downstream from serotonin, which is serotonin is a neurotransmitter or think of brain hormone. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be negatively affected, um, which is then going to negatively affect um, melatonin. And that's one of the other symptoms of high cortisol is having anxiety or um, depression which that's highly linked to uh, neurotransmitter levels like dopamine and serotonin and, and things like that. So those are the, the high cortisol. The other one, and this is very common, um, when your hair starts falling out, that's a high cortisol symptom. So when you're brushing your hair and you're in the shower and you just start to feel this clumps of hair um, fall out, then that's more than likely a sign that you have high cortisol and you're probably in this first level of the HPA axis dysfunction. Mm, mm-hmm. Not fun. No, especially for women. <laughs> right. <laughs> so is there a certain amount, I guess there is a certain amount of time that the body can handle like long-term stress without resorting to these things. And then at some point, like it hits a breaking point maybe, or is, does it just any chronic stress? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I don't know exactly like I couldn't give you a, Hey, if you in the stressful environment for three months, then that means you're going to go into the phase one or, you know, it's six months. I don't know. I think it's probably different for everybody. Um, one of the things is, um, and this is something that we talk about at the gym all the time. Um, of kind of how we exercise or how we even think about exercise um, is different than what most people think about exercise is they either they're just going in there to burn calories to lose weight or they're going in there because they want to build muscle tissue, whatever it may be. One of the reasons we go in an exercise, especially the way that we do, is we're always trying to challenge the body, putting it in a stressful environment, not trying to overstress it, but give it a, a stimulus um, or a stress so that it can ex- experience that stress and then on the other side you you become better right so not just by losing weight or by putting on more muscle um, you become better because your your body has been exposed to a stress and then now it's ready for a similar stress down the road so I think the people who are doing things like we do in the gym are probably going to be better at dealing with other stressors in life, even if they're more emotional Hmm. or or, um, chemical stressors. So you can kind of train your body to be, to deal with stress better um, from that perspective. Would you say that applies in like, if I'm in a stressful work situation, but I'm able to come out of it, like cope with it and then, you know, come out of stressed and I think so I think yeah absolutely I think I think you're because your body is is always learning right and so it's whatever whatever environment you're putting your body in it's kind of saying okay how do I survive in this particular environment so if you are in a stressful work environment um, your body is always trying to figure out how you could actually be there and, and still survive um, and, I, and I would say the body's always trying to figure out even how to thrive. So it's trying to help you be in that, even though the, the environment's stressful, to actually thrive in that environment. But sometimes, and there's a number of different variables that go in here, um, the body just can't adapt. And 
either because the stress is so much or the stress is, is constant um, and it's an extended period of time, or maybe your, bo your body is not particularly doing well at responding to stress. Um, it could be what else, what other stressors you have coming in at you. So in a good example, let's say you have this um, stressful work environment, but you're eating well, you're exercising, you're sleeping, you're going to probably be able to respond fairly well in that environment, even though it's a stressor. But now you're in that stressful work environment and you're eating McDonald's, you know, you're eating Cheetos and, you know, Twinkies and stuff. You don't sleep, you know, you're staying up all night watching TV and, you know, you never exercise. Now that stressful work environment's probably going to overcome you and you're going to get into these different phases of adrenal um, or HPA axis dysfunction. Which unfortunately, I think more often than not, if you aren't on top of it, that's the cycle that happens oh, more yeah. than I'm in a stressful work environment, but everything else is going great. Right. Usually it all just right. compounds because you're stressed and you can't cook and you yeah. can't know on time for the yeah. gym. And right. That's and, and then, you know, the, the recommendation might be, well, you should get out of that. You should change your job. Or maybe that's how you respond. You should just get out of that toxic environment. Yeah. Maybe that is the case, but maybe you should do some things about those uh, other Mm -hmm. other stressors that are coming at you because right. if not more than likely when you go into a work environment where there's other people um, people are just going to be stressful <laughs> for you regardless <laughs> you know so this is going to happen again right so right. why not address some Figure of those other things you have deal. more control over mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so then the second level here this is a, a kind of interesting how this happens so first level high cortisol throughout the day the second level is where the body starts to respond. It's like, okay, I, I think producing this, I'm, I'm, this isn't probably what the body does. I'm just trying to tell the story here. <laughs> the body thinks, okay, producing cortisol this much all the time probably isn't good for me long term. So I'm going to start to lower the amount of cortisol that I produce. So this is called, where the first level could be called high cortisol. The second, is this is called adaptive cortisol. So the body's still trying to figure out how can I adapt. So sometimes throughout the day, you're still high cortisol. Like if we were to test, which we'll talk about either in a little bit or maybe even next week, you might have higher cortisol levels than you should have. But then other times of the day, you're going to have lower cortisol levels than you should have. And then sometimes of the day, you might actually be um, in, in the normal. So like I said, it's, a, it's referred to as the adaptive um, cortisol level. Um, when you're in this state, you are going to have symptoms that are kind of all over the place. And I have an assessment form that I use in one section is low cortisol, the other section is high cortisol. And then people fill them out and they have symptoms in both of those. And you're like, well, how in the world could you have symptoms of both of these? Mm -hmm. you, you should either be high or should either be low. Well, that's what tells me they're more in this kind of adaptive um, phase. So a couple of examples here. Um, you some, When you have high cortisol, you're going to have some of those symptoms that I, that I talked about. So you may struggle to fall asleep. Um, that that's a, a higher cortisol, but then you also might struggle to stay asleep. That would be a low cortisol. So if you just struggle to fall asleep, then more than likely you're in that first phase. If you have both of them, then you're going to probably be in the second phase. Mm -hmm. You may sweat a lot during exercise. And I, I mean, we should all be sweating during exercise, but you kind of maybe overly um, sweat and maybe the exercise isn't even that strenuous. Mm -hmm. um, that's a sign of high cortisol. But then you might have afternoon fatigue. So, again, think about that. You have the enough energy to exercise and get through your exercise, and you're fine. But then you have this afternoon fatigue where you just feel like you're hit by a truck. That's because now you're in the more, one of those lower cortisol states. Um, yeah, I think those are probably a couple good examples of that, of sometimes when you're high, sometimes when you're low. Um, that 
if you're in this, this is probably the most common um, phase that, that I um, see people in. Um, and it's in the beginning when I would see this kind of before I studied this more, I, I was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's, it's tough to know, okay, you have high cortisol and I know what to do to try to address that. And then sometimes you're in low cortisol. So we have to figure out kind of sometimes it's um, supporting them with different things at different times of the day. Mm. And again, we'll talk about this more when we get to how do we address it. But this is more of the, the kind of the confusing part if you're in this phase too. Um, and it just turns out that that's where most people are at. It's mm. most common. So I've learned enough to, to know more about how to how to address this now. Mm-hmm. And it seems like your body's trying to do, like the word adaptive seems like a positive thing you know like your body is trying to figure out what levels to be at but something just not connecting absolutely and it's it's uh if you think about this kind of spectrum or continuum you know very small part of that spectrum is is kind of the normal levels of cortisol function um the more the extreme where it's really high and really low those are kind of at the ends of the spectrum and then beyond those would be like the cushings and addisons that i mentioned before but then outside of that normal is really where the adaptive is at so you're going to kind of go into some adaptive um, phase before you probably get to really high cortisol levels all the time and then you're going to go back into that adaptive phase before you get to really low cortisol levels all the time so that's probably why why it's the most common that i see is because there's just more of an opportunity to actually be in this kind of second second level of the of this sort of thing Mm -hmm. the last level is um, the opposite of the first so you've got remember i said to go into that adaptive phase your body starts to recognize that producing so much cortisol probably isn't good long term so it starts to lower it, but there still are times where you're producing more cortisol than you would need. Well, with this f- this third level, you're always low, so you're not producing cortisol um, in higher amounts. And again, back to the circadian rhythm, you should be producing higher cortisol levels in the day to kind of wake you up and get you going for the morning and then slowly start to come back down. Where this, you, you never really get that, that spike in cortisol. You never get any sort of hump, so it's just kind of always low throughout the day. Um, so these are the people that are going to have low energy all the time. You know, they wake up and they feel groggy. They don't feel like they slept very well, even if they did sleep very well. Um, they don't have um, energy in the afternoon. Maybe they have to take multiple naps. Um, the only time that they really feel normal is at night because that's when your cortisol levels are, are supposed to be mm-hmm. supposed to be lower. Um, some other of those symptoms, you, uh, again, can't stay asleep. You crave salt all the time. You are slow start in the morning, maybe get dizzy. This is an interesting one. You get dizzy when you stand up quickly. That's that's that orthostatic hypotension that we talked about last week. Um, You might have headaches when you exercise. So any sort of strenuous exercise gives you a headache. Um, Weak nails is another sign of low cortisol, another common one. Um, Again, that more than likely women are more concerned about than than men. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of... uh, somewhat all over the place as far as like you can be high and then you can be low, but all of it's HPA axis dysfunction. Um, it's not actually adrenal fatigue where we have to like wake your adrenals up. It's just, we have to try to connect that brain back to, to the adrenal so that your body starts to function more normally again. So phase three, will everyone kind of make this progression if they don't address the adrenal, the stress and stuff in their life? Will they go, you know, from the high, then the adaptive, and then to the low and yeah. just stay there? Or Yeah, yep. So you'll just always be low. So your body's never going to change unless you get it out of, so that, again, that's it's progressive. So it starts high, 
comes back to adaptive and then it starts to go low and it's just always going to be there until you get it out of that get it out of that stressful environment and unfortunately these negative things tend to kind of have loops right so if you're low cortisol then that's going to negatively affect thyroid function and then when your thyroid function is low that's another stressor so it might keep you in that low uh, adrenal function so it's just kind of um it just continues to, to the get vicious worse and worse. The vicious cycle. Oh. The vicious cycle. The vicious cycle. So another doom and gloom episode. Um, <laughs> but at Keep least, listening. Yeah. Hey, again, with this one, I was hoping just that people would be like, oh, yeah, I have weak nails or I have, you know, sure. my hair is falling out. So mm-hmm. I probably have adrenal um, access dysfunction and, or uh, HB access dysfunction. And, mm-hmm. and I want you to be able to, number one, if you do have that and you want help with it, um, let us please know because we can help you with that. Um, but number two, listen next week where we kind of talk about how, how we, what we do to address these things. Um, because it's not, it's, I wish I could say it's simple and easy and all you have to do is this one thing. It's not, but since we know what leads to it and that's stressful environments, once we can figure out what all these stressful environments are and kind of pull those, minimize those, your body is amazing. It always comes back to normal function if we can remove those interferences. So. That's kind of a preview for next week. Okay. I have one more question. Yeah. <laughs> Burning question. Sure. No, it's not that exciting. But I'm just curious if someone is having these symptoms and they went to a medical doctor, would the medical doc, kind of like the thyroid, we were talking about how they might run a thyroid panel, but it wouldn't show up. Is there yeah. anything in the, med- you know, the conventional medicine world that this person might be like tipped off that they have something wrong with their HPA access. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, at least from what I've known, I haven't done a deep dive into how medicine addresses these particular issues. But these, so what we mentioned with thyroid is a lot of those things that we find even on blood work are what are called subclinical. So it's not um, you know, blatantly showing a disease process. What we're talking about are kind of functional issues with the adrenals. Um, so all of it's going to be going to be subclinical. So if you were to go to a, a a typical doctor, maybe some of them, you know, kind of have expanded their knowledge in some of this. So they would do more than likely a saliva test to see if you have the adrenal fatigue. Um, and maybe they would do something, um, about it, but I mean, really the only thing you can do about it is removing the stressors that are leading to it. There's not necessarily a medication that you would take to, to address these sort of things, but unfortunately how they would more than likely address it is whatever symptoms you're having that are due to it. Right. So if you're if yeah. you're not sleeping, then they're going to give you sleep medication. If you know if you're um, gaining weight, they're going to help you do something to to lose weight. Um, if you're the hair loss thing, they're going to try to address something there. So they're still going to have the kind of the symptom treatment. It's so it's not a figuring out okay what's causing this adrenal health issue. It's or even what's causing your hair loss or what's causing your weak nails. Any of that stuff. They're just going to say what's the symptom and how do we actually address it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So next week we'll be going into how you would address it. Yep. And what people can do about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you guys found this helpful or you know anyone who would find this helpful, please be sure to share it with them and follow us on social media. Join our Facebook group. And if you have a minute, rate our podcast so that more people can find us and hopefully also be helped by this. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next time.